0: So the reading is Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31, and the heading is The Wife of Noble Character. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good not harm all the days of her life she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands she is like the merchant ships and work uh, bringing her food from afar she gets up while it is still night she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy when it snows she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet she makes coverings for her bed she is clothed in fine linen and purple her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household And does not eat the bread of idleness her children arise and call her blessed her husband also and he praises her many women do noble things but you surpass them all charm is deceptive beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised Honour her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city, at the city (laughs) gates.
1: So, good news, isn't it? Yesterday was the shortest day. That means the days are getting shorter and winter's on its way. Joy! (laughs) Uh, All right. Today we're looking at uh, the final part of Proverbs, the book that speaks of wisdom, and wisdom alone is not enough, we need to put it into use. So uh, in this epilogue then, the wife of the noble character, we witness an example of putting wisdom into practice, and we can see the fruits of her effort. And just think about noble characters. The other day, uh, Margaret and I watched a rerun of Finding Your Feet the other night. I don't know if you've seen that film. But in the main character is an unhappy woman of a wealthy but rather ignoble man undergoes a life-transforming experience with her impoverished sister. By impoverished, I mean monetary-wise. But she learns that money does not bring happiness and ends up running off with a very noble, but penniless man. Um, And the film ends there and we're led to believe that they live happily ever after in relative poverty. But for me, I think the film points out the value, if you like, of nobility, being a noble person, and that's where some richness comes from. So what do we have here then? So let's uh, hopefully click on that. So, a wife of noble character who can find, yes, very rare person worth more than rubies. And that rare person uh, will give her husband full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Notice here that it doesn't say he has everything, but it suggests that he has all things that matter. And she brings him... Uh, good not harm all the days of her life and you've got to go wow this is some person isn't it how can this be how is it and the clue comes towards the end of this passage so jumping along a bit here but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised put simply the answer is that she conducts her life in respect of the Lord. Every action she performs is done with a desire to please the Lord. This I believe gives the context or is the essence of this passage, to live a life in respect of the Lord. Uh, now this passage is a poem, it's a specific sort of poem in the Hebrew language, uh, an acrostic poem, where each verse begins with a consecutive letter of their alphabet. And it means that individual verses do not form a logical pattern. Um, so I've grouped a few together as we go along. Here they are more or less in a line, but so uh, there. And I have to say, although I wasn't very fond of English literature when I was at school, I did have a, a brief flirtation with it in my 20s. And one thing I did come to appreciate that was the use of metaphor. And while you could take this poem literally and I've got nothing against that, I'm hoping to take a, a metaphorical perspective, if you like. Um, we'll see how it goes. So and I'm only going to look at a few verses as well, a handful of verses. So let's take a look. And the f- first group is associated with cloth. So, if we see this first group, she selects wool and flax with either hands. In her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. All of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Well, just look at this bit. When it snows, She has no fear for her household. Here the snow is representing hard times, lean times, times when you need to rely on your stores, the times when life itself becomes a challenge. Why has she no fear? Well, she's prepared. All of her people are clothed in scarlet. And we'll come to see what we mean by that in a moment. But they have the best protection. We need to look at this word scarlet, and the symbolism of scarlet. Ah, I didn't mean to do that just yet. So, in Roman Catholic Church, scarlet is a colour worn by a cardinal, for instance, and it has an association with the blood of Christ and therefore sacrifice. But this text was written way before Christ. So I don't think it's that. But in these ancient times, there was a red dye made from tiny scale insects, which fed on oak trees grown around the Mediterranean. So now I put that bit up. Uh, So here we can see some of the insects. There is a bit of a twig from an oak tree. Uh, Just get... to highlight it. So we can see these insects here, here's one, there's another one, another one there, it's a, a very young one there, another one here, another one over here. So you can see, you know, they're really well camouflaged and hard, to, hard to find and to be honest they're really tiny as well. So these insects, They contained a very strong natural dye called kermes, and insects are called kermes, which produced the scarlet color. The insects were so small that in those times, they weren't even recognized as being insects. They were thought to be a kind of grain, which led to an old saying, to be clothed in the grain, meaning you you had the money. But what was so good about this dye? Well, it didn't fade in sunlight or in humidity in high temperatures. In other words, this dye was resilient under harsh conditions. So that's part of this symbolism of scarlet. It's it's, uh, resilient under very tough conditions. But if we then look a little bit further and think about you trying to collect these insects, A dye like this was very time-consuming to manufacture and that made it massively expensive. And of course, if it was massively expensive, only rich people could afford it. And Once again, if it was so expensive, you're only going to use it on the best, the finest of cloth. So that's the other bit, really. We see that her people were clothed in scarlet. It was the finest cloth that never lost its color. And for color, I'm kind of thinking it never lost its identity. And when we think in terms of the context of this passage, to live a life in the respect respect of the Lord, we start to think maybe that the cloth, um, to be clothed in scarlet, means to be protected by the lord you know there is no better protection than what we are given by the lord and i think and by living by the lord and we, what we get from that so i think that's the the context of this scarlet stuff i uh no, i got a problem now i need to come over here so sorry got it so out of interest Uh, Research across Europe and the United States indicates that red is seen to be associated with courage, with force, passion, heat and joy, you know, all those wonderful things. Culturally, in Christian cultures anyway, uh, those all associated with this red colour. In the next line, so I need to go over there, is clothed in fine linen and purple. Notice, purple, not red. Mm -hmm. Ah, well you see, Tyrian purple is a secretion produced by a several series of predatory sea snails. Look at those, aren't they ornamental? Fantastic looking things. So secretions from those produce this purple dye. Now, in ancient times, extracting this dye involved tens of thousands of snails and clearly substantial labor. So you might imagine then that this dye was highly valued or very expensive, I should say. The value comes from something else. So only the people at the very, very top wore purple. So this woman we're seeing is wearing purple. Even then, it was often just a purple sash. You know, you couldn't afford a whole clothing to be made of purple. So what what was it that made this purple dye so good? Well, like Kermes, it didn't fade, but better than that, it became brighter with weathering. Can you think of a dye today whose colour improves with weathering? So in the context of this passage, the wife is so involved in conducting her life in the ways of the Lord that she shines brightly when, when the going gets tough. What a wonderful example she must set, don't you think? A beacon of hope. Next, she selects wool and flax with her eager hands. Now, if you think about the base materials of, for a fabric, here we have them, and here we're talking. I think the fabric of society. This is what we're looking at. The fabric of the people that she lives with, the society, the group of the people she lives with, and the wool and the flax representing the behaviours that she selects to interact with people she works with, the words that she chooses, the love and the care that she demonstrates as she crafts these things together to create a wholesome society, a God-fearing society. And then in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle I've got a question for you. Any of you know what a distaff is? No, I... You, somebody's going to have to speak up because I can't actually see you all with everything I've got on here at the moment. Is it part of a spinning wheel, John? Oh, well, it's associated with spinning. Um, it's actually before spinning wheels. So what we see here... Is a woman with a distaff. So the distaff's in her left hand, as you can see, and a spindle in her right hand. And uh, this, this on the distaff, is the raw wool that's just been pulled off, uh, cut off, pulled off, uh, taken off a sheep or whatever it is, and. Uh, She's the spindle down here, which she's spinning and putting a bit of tension in to pull the wool off there. Now, carefully with this hand, she's having to guide the wool uh, to pull it off, at you know, to get the right thickness to make the right thickness spread. And so, on. so it's, what I think here is it's about skill. You need some skill to be able to do that. So we think about using these base materials, which were the the words, behaviors, and all that sort of thing, to create a thread with, with which to weave this fabric. She's chosen the right words, she's chosen the right behaviors, but with the distaff and spindle, she's demonstrating her skill in the productive use of those. And once again, we've got to think about this fabric metaphorically As I said, I see it as being the fabric of society. This is the fabric she is creating by her good example, her God-fearing example, creating a God-fearing society. So let's just have a, a look at another piece. So then she's like merchant ships bringing food from afar. I'm seeing food as spiritual nourishment and knowledge. And a few years ago, I studied with the EU and I recall one of the modules was looking at learning organisations, i.e. really it was about how organisations learn and, and, and innovate. The ones that do it best, actively engage with other organizations. There's cross-fertilization going on, and in doing so, they become places of vitality and change. Those organizations with a tendency to be insular usually stagnate, get set in their ways, and often perish. And I kind of know that I get very set in my ways, and a few years ago, I had a conversation with my stepdaughter and I was told her that I wasn't really keen on these new songs in church. What's wrong with the old ones? And she sort of looked at me and looked away. A few seconds later, she looked back at me and said, John, even the old songs were new at one time. Okay, you've made your point and you're right. I'm a curmudgeon. Um, All right, so the next bit. But her trade is not one side. It's not just coming in from uh, other places. She makes linen garnish. She sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Her linen garments are traded, meaning that people buy them. That's obvious. But remember what the cloth represents. It represents her godly ways. So what's going on here is people observe the way she is and buy into her example. In other words, she influences people. The sashes, well, they're going to be purple, aren't they? Meaning that she influences important people or perhaps... That her influence is important. I just need to let Bevan back in. I don't know what happened to him from dropped out. It's back in. She sees that her trading is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She's seeing that her conduct, the way that she lives her light, provides a guiding light to others. And that keeps her enthusiastic, if you like, too. But remember, I'm remembering the lamps of the ten bridesmaids. I don't know if you remember those. Uh, five of them kept sufficient oil and five of them didn't. And the five of them perished. And the good five who kept oil spiritual nourishment, of course, the oil is standing for, uh, it, they did enough until it... Uh, to last until needed, yes. So a lovely looking picture of that, those bright birds, full of God's uh, warmth and light, if you like. The final verses that I'm just going to look at, not spend any time with them, but she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. In a full of confidence, vitality. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Honour her for all that her hands have done. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is one really person that you've got to admire, is she not? And the question really becomes, can you be like her? That's it.